are listening to the 90 Days Later podcast with Anna Charles, episode 48. Welcome to the 90 Days Later podcast, where I show you how to stop over drinking in 90 days without missing out on life. If you're not an alcoholic, but fed up with saying yes to a drink when you mean to say no, you're in the right place. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. So today I want to talk about pleasure. And pleasure's actually been on my mind of late because starting to go out and about in the shops and starting to see all the stuff, of course, stuff all there for Halloween is out. But I'm even starting to already see some of the special offers for Christmas. Yes, even seeing boxes of Prosecco piled high. Maybe, you know, not right front and center just yet, but they are there. And so this we're moving really into the time of year when there's lots of temptation around and I get lots asked lots of questions about this. So I thought I would talk about pleasure and how we create that for ourselves, how we can create that for ourselves. So first, I want to back up a little and talk about something that I've mentioned on the podcast before, but I think is really so important for us to bear in mind always when we look at our lives and how we operate and behave, actually, and steer our lives. And that is that our brains are built for survival, right? That's what drives us at all times. And because of this, uh, we as humans are driven, we, there's, a, there's a motivational triad that kind of uh, is pulling the strings for us. So we are programmed to avoid pain, to uh, go towards pleasure and enjoyment, and to basically do as little as possible, be as efficient as possible in um, getting pleasure and avoiding pain, right? That's and it's all again all to do with survival back in the caves when you know life was really very dangerous out there. And we, you know, we wouldn't want to overextend our energy because if we did too much running, then we may not, you know, have the reserves left when we needed to run away from a saber-toothed tiger. And of course, if we just sort of flopped around in the cave all day and couldn't really put any effort into going out and hunting for food then we would die because we need food to survive which is why we enjoy food we get pleasure from food so we are driven by those three things so of course actually it makes sense that when we learn that a glass or two or three of chablis it's gonna make us feel great right it's gonna give us a lot of pleasure no wonder we're going to want to repeat that, right? The reward of the alcohol is so strong because it's it's really uh, dialing into how we're programmed to want to feel pleasure. So again, there's no shame in it. It's just it's just how we are programmed. But I I think one of the things that we forget, especially in modern life, where we are surrounded by sort of pleasure on tap, if you like, right? We've got booze. There are drugs. There's really sweet lots of sugar addictive foods there's porn you know that you can get at the at the touch of a button there's so many shops around that you could sort of you know just go out if you like shopping and just really get your pleasure from that it's it's so there it's so easy so much of this pleasure is concentrated and and, and with good reason i mean you know alcohol manufacturers know this the breweries and so on they know this they you know they want you <laughs> they want you to drink more but there's another type of pleasure in life that 
surrounds us actually and it's it's there to see and I think it's it's positive to look towards it. What I'm talking about here is natural pleasures. Something as simple as seeing a flower. Now one of my favourite all-time flowers is um, it's very prevalent in England in the springtime it's called the cowslip and it grows typically along and there's this hill close to where I grew up long hill and it's surrounded just just loads of floods of cowslips it's just such the most beautiful sight I mean it's really an uplifting sight to see these beautiful delicate little flowers that come out you know once a year they just always seem to appear it just seems like magic miracle that's really nature at at play. Other examples of these natural pleasures are perhaps holding the hand of somebody you love. As I said just now, maybe having a really fresh glass of water, seeing a sunset, listening to the waves, going on a very satisfying run, right, can give some natural pleasure. The thing is though that I would say the big difference between a natural and a man-made or an artificial pleasure is the difference in the intensity of the dopamine hit that we get and the speed of activation in fact so you can feel really just wowed by looking at a sunset but that is just not going to compare on the dopamine stakes with a glass of white wine that's going to just it's just going to flood your brain and boom you're there i mean you are feeling the pleasure pretty instantaneously with very little effort. That's the other thing with these artificial pleasures. That's one of the things I think people uh, find with wine. They say, well, you know, why would I want to bother sort of trying to find, you know, get pleasure by maybe just sitting down and having having some quiet time, right? Doing some deep breathing that could, you know, give me pleasure and give me calm and peace. But that just takes time and effort when I can pour this glass of wine and boom, I'm there, right? So we have these artificial pleasures that are on tap incredibly intense and they they basically deliver the goods very 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 quickly right right we don't distinguish between these artificial and these natural pleasures and i said the artificial ones are going to work more quickly going to feel more intense um but more more fleeting actually whereas the natural ones are just lower intensity take longer to achieve but but most cases would last longer would have a more long-term beneficial impact but the main thing i want to talk about today actually is the idea of because the title is how to create pleasure and it's the the difference and the distinction between creating and consuming pleasure right such an important distinction Uh, we like drinking as i said just now because it's quick And what happens is, because we know that's a way to feel great, feel good, we actually become quite demanding and quite entitled, actually. It doesn't take a lot of effort, right, once you start drinking, to change your perception of both yourself and wherever you are, right? So if you you could be somewhere really, really tedious, it could be one of these really tedious work events, and a couple of glasses of wine is all it takes for you to see hmm, maybe this just isn't such a bad you know event I don't mind hanging out with these people who 10 minutes prior you would have thought the most tedious in the world but the alcohol is very very quickly changing your view of the event because you are essentially consuming pleasure right 
So consuming pleasure is really where artificial pleasure shows up because it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a pretty passive situation that's going on. It's really when you sit back and you say to something else, hey, you, you know, entertain me, right? And this happens with drinking, but it happens with lots of different things. In fact, I would offer that it's probably how the majority of us spend quite a lot of our time, right? We drink alcohol, we eat food, we turn on the TV, we go online and we stroll online, right? Whatever it is. And what we're doing is we're just looking for an easy dopamine hit. And this is why, you know, if I hear so often people say, well, I've given up the booze, but I've really taken to eating cookies every night. And it's because our brains, we're just looking for the alternative quick dopamine hit, right? Because going out and looking at the wildflowers isn't gonna do it. <laughs> after you've been you've been having that the huge dopamine from the uh from the alcohol and it's no surprise that these uh pleasure consuming activities tend to be things that we just keep going back to right we often feel like we have sort of this insatiable appetite for them we keep on having a drink or we keep on eating the chocolate cookies right it's hard to eat one chocolate biscuit not 10. I used to say about custard creams. Gosh, you know, just I just rather not have any custard creams because I would always eat five in a sitting. Or we'll keep on watching another episode of some show, right? And and part of the reason for this is it's such an easy fix, right? It's such a not feeling that great or I'm feeling bored or miserable or anxious or whatever it is. Boom, I'm going to plaster over that over with a nice glass of wine or, you know, with this this donut or whatever it is you want to eat takes very little energy consuming is very passive you don't have to put much effort into it remember remember that's in the motivational triad we don't want to put much effort into it but you get a huge dopamine hit the return on your investment in the moment is high you get lots of pleasure for very little effort right because aside from uncorking the bottle and putting the glass to your lips you're pretty much there, right? You don't have to do very much when you're consuming alcohol as as a way of uh, consuming pleasure. The same applies to chocolate or crisps or biscuits or whatever it is or scrolling on the internet, right? You don't have to do very much. Now, it's really important that you understand that consuming pleasure is not necessarily a bad thing, right? I'm not saying you should never do this. And there is no need or no reason to make this an issue of right or wrong, good or bad, or virtuous or not virtuous. But I do offer there should be some kind of balance in your life between consuming pleasure and creating pleasure. And really when we come unstuck is that most people, they find that the balance has shifted maybe all the way over into the consuming area that we do very little creating. And in fact, it almost becomes a skill that we think is, we, we just don't know how to do it, right? We, we find that we're kind of on this gravy train of, I'm just gonna watch TV every night, I'm gonna watch this show every night. And I you know don't think about what else I could do because heavens, what would that other thing look like? So let's look at creating pleasure. Right? Unlike consuming, which is passive, creating pleasure is active. You basically have to use your mind to produce something. So here's an example. I love knitting. I, I really actually love knitting. I learned to knit when I was about nine. And you know, over the years, I've off and on, I've done it and I really kind of enjoy it. And, I, and the really interesting thing about this is 
I enjoy the act and process of knitting far more than I do the wearing of the items that I create. Right? <laughs> I actually tend to prefer, in terms of wearing, knitwear that I can buy in the shops. I, I'm, I have this very thing about handmade versus um, machine made. I prefer machine made. But, but I will knit just for the pure pleasure of the creation. And so I'm now a bit smarter about this now and I try to choose items that of course I will enjoy wearing or let's say using. Um, so I really enjoy knitting. So that's a creative um, pleasure. I similarly love the novels of Dennis Wheatley. He's uh, an author from many, many years ago. They're kind of not really in fashion these days. Not many people even heard of Dennis Whitley. But then a few years ago, I found a, a small group of other people from around actually the world who enjoy them and who get together once a year to talk about Dennis Wheatley, right? Talk about a niche interest here. And over the years, I've become more and more and more involved in this and I ended up with the last convention. You know, I was the main organiser. I mean, so there's a, a huge amount of work involved in this, right? There's, and a lot of it is, I would say, tedious admin. It's finding hotels and booking rooms and making agendas and all the rest of it. But it didn't matter because it was just creating huge pleasure for me, right? It just de depended on my, my mindset and my outlook as to what it is. So what I've done there is I've I've given you some examples of what when we consume pleasure, such as drinking, and we create pleasure, right? Such as knitting. But the thing is that most of us don't. We just don't tend to think of pleasure in these in this way, right? We don't think about dividing our pleasure into areas that are where we're consuming and areas where we're creating. We just kind of say, I just want to have fun. I just want to have some pleasure. I want to feel good. And as we get used to consuming pleasure, as we get used to that being really a quicker way to hit the result, which is right to feel good, that kind of sets a new timetable. We sort of start to expect and require and demand instant gratification. And this can even turn us against things that we might have enjoyed for years. So I want you to think about reading. Now, reading is creating pleasure, even though you're consuming someone else's art because you're having to put effort into it, right? You're, you're having to find the book and spend the time and actually do the reading. You've got to use your eyes and your brain to actually do the reading. But it can be, oh, right. It's going to take time to get into that book. I mean, really, do I want to invest? I mean, I've even thought that myself. It's kind of crazy. I love reading. And I remember, gosh, from when I was about 12, I always loved the idea of reading um, War and Peace, right? Tolstoy's War and Peace. And I think it's just because it was a super long book. It's like a thousand pages or something. And I thought, yeah, that would be really cool to say, yeah, I've read War and Peace. And so there was this one year and it was my New Year's resolution fact to read this book. And so I set about doing it. And I'm going to offer that the first hundred pages was a slog. I mean, it was just a slog. Um, all these, I had to learn all these different character names, all these places and all the names are really weird. And it was hard to remember who was who and all the rest of it. But then once I did that hundred pages, the next, whatever it was, eight, nine hundred flew by. I mean, flew by. It was just the most amazing, wonderful experience. And then actually, in my opinion, it didn't, you know, the last bit wasn't so great either. But here, the point is that it took effort to get to the point where I was creating pleasure for myself with this book. I mean, it would have been just so easy to put it down and say, nah, it's not for me. I mean, I'm just not, you know, I'm not going to bother. This is a slog. Why would, why would I bother? 
and yet the reward on the other side and I'm really really super glad I did it not just because I kind of achieved my almost childhood dare to myself but because I had the pleasurable experience of reading that book so bear this in mind really with all of when you are in sort of the creating pleasure that you might not want to always go to it because one we can compare that to how quickly it is to consume pleasure we sort of start to want to take the easiest route and surprise surprise the easiest route to feeling pleasure are is in the form of things that we can consume rather than what we create I touched on this just now, but really, I really want to emphasize that the thing is that there's nothing wrong with consuming, with pleasurable consuming activities. There's nothing wrong with turning on the TV. There's nothing wrong with pouring a drink. There's nothing wrong with having donuts or there's nothing wrong with scrolling on the Internet. This is not about being good. But I do think it's a helpful conversation for you to have with yourself to ask yourself, how do I feel after I after I do these pleasure consuming activities so I went out to an event a couple of nights ago with a good friend it was um, an aperitif opening of, of an event I got some tickets to that and I didn't have a drink but my friend did because they were you know passing around they were walking around with trays of um, you know free wine and my friend uh, took a couple two or three glasses of this even though it was something it was a drink that they don't always have a great reaction to right they don't always like this particular wine it was a type of wine that gives them a headache but in the moment the pleasure they got was was from the consuming of it but the next day they didn't feel so great and they didn't even have very much so i think that's part of it i think starting to notice how you how you feel about the pleasure that you're consuming and is it kind of worth worth the investment there the same is true if you end up mindlessly scrolling the internet. I mean, I can, I, I know this myself. If I do this, I can start with one topic in mind and then half an hour later, I'm on a completely different topic. I've right? gone down goodness knows how many rabbit holes and I can end up feeling a little bit discombobulated about that. My mind feels like it's kind of darting all over the place and it don't it doesn't always feel great in my body. So it's something I limit. So it's not really about whether an activity is good or bad. It's about how you feel and whether you like the results you are getting and you like the consequences of what's going on. So I'm going to offer that just consuming pleasure isn't enough if you want to have a full life. And here's the deal. When you change your habit of drinking, you start to have more free time. This is actually... um, One of the most wonderful things that happens, but actually it can feel a little bit, ah, because when you have more time, right, because you've got that time back that you used to spend drinking, all of a sudden you look around and you think, okay, well, what exactly am I supposed to do now? And that's the moment, I think, when it's so important to really understand the difference between consuming and creating pleasure. So I go through an exercise with my clients called the Desire Bank, where we basically look at, well, where are you going to spend all the time, right, that you've now freed up, that you previously devoted to drinking? And that's not just, by the way, the time you spend drinking, but it's all the time you spend thinking about drinking or there's been planning. Do I have enough uh, drink in the fridge to last me to tomorrow? Or, you know, what am I going to be able, who's going to drive me home from the party? I've got to plan all that, right? So this, you're going to find changing your relationship with alcohol really frees up uh, so much time in your diary. 
But the important question really here is because if you have been in the habit of consuming things, you are going to be in the habit of just sitting back and passively saying, hey, you, you know, entertain me. Right. So Shabli, your job is to entertain me. I don't want to think at all. So if we get into that habit, you're in that habit and then you cut back on your drinking and you've got more free time. It can be so easy to fall into the trap of just turning into another consuming, turn to another consuming behavior. So I went through this and to start with, I wasn't sure how to use all the free time. And because most evenings I had got into a routine of falling asleep on the sofa after dinner, after a couple of glasses of wine. In fact, it became a bit of a joke. I mean, I we put a film on or even if I went to the cinema, right, because you have a couple of drinks in the bar or actually even at your seat in the cinema these days, go figure. Anyway, so I'd, we'd go to watch a film and I would almost on clockwork... Um, fall asleep 60 minutes in right so I'd, I'd invariably <laughs> miss the last 90 minutes or so or last 30 minutes sorry or so of a film and I'd often be just too embarrassed to ask my husband what happened that I have to go and you know figure out somehow I'd have to read the cliff notes what happened in the film a bit ridiculous really anyway so suddenly I was I was awake I was awake all evening and I would wonder how on earth am I going to spend my time and this is when all the I took up started to look to my old hobbies right so I mentioned I love knitting so I would start knitting again I love doing jigsaw puzzles we'd have a jigsaw puzzle out and now what I find is actually that consuming actually isn't enough for me so like I say there was a time when I'd be a really heavy consumer of pleasure through alcohol and so and that these days consumption just doesn't do it for me so part of me likes the idea I like the idea of passive consuming of pleasure but it just doesn't actually hit the spot so I often do a bit of a mixture a big mixture of consuming and creating at the same time so for instance my husband recently came across this series I don't even know what it's on it's called the walking dead I mean it's this this zombie thing and we watched one or two and didn't know at the time but there's actually 11 series of these and he's kind of all excited at the idea of 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 seeing these zombie um zombie programs but the idea of sitting consuming that actually doesn't exactly repel me but it I'm and I'm not excited about it. I'm not enthusiastic at the idea but I enjoy the natural pleasure around being connecting with my husband sitting on a nice comfy chair with him and and actually the shared experience of being able to laugh at how silly the whole thing is and you know talk about it with our sons and just you know this 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 thing happened and it was so crazy so I'm working on combining watching or consuming this TV program with with creative activities so for instance as we were watching it I'm watching it with half an eye I'm also planning Christmas I'm actually planning the next day sweetly convention as I watch it on the other thing I might be doing is sort of pinning some fabric to want to want to make some um, some tablecloths or perhaps I'm doing a jigsaw puzzle right the TV is actually incidental the consuming of pleasure is incidental I'm getting the dopamine I'm getting the fun from the creating um, the creation of pleasure at the same time so that was what I wanted to cover today I wanted to talk about this this difference and distinction between artificial and natural pleasure and you know, consuming and creating pleasure. And my homework for you, because I like to give homework here, is for you to really do an inventory and understand how this distinction between consuming and creating pleasure is showing up in your life. 
right? What are the different pleasures that you are participating in? And, you know, whether it's active or passive. And this is important as you start to change your relationship with alcohol, because as I said, the time you're going to have available and how you look at pleasure is going to shift with this in quite a remarkable way. So I encourage you to start looking at this right now. And the way I did this, when I realized I had all this time available, that I wasn't dozing through most evenings, was I used to say, I went back to what I used to enjoy when I was younger, when I wasn't consuming pleasure, when I wasn't consuming alcohol. So this showed up as knitting, jigsaw puzzles, reading, playing the recorder even as well. Um, I, I get a lot of pleasure out of doing that. So this week, I really want you to challenge yourself. I want you to ask yourself first, in the range of things that I consume for pleasure, if you look at your life and the things I create for pleasure, what does that look like for me? Or if you had to put a percentage to it, um, is it way over in the consumption area? Or are you, you know, so are you sitting there and sort of just passively expecting to be entertained do you, if you're not drinking are you watching the tv are you watching you know binge watching netflix are you scrolling through the internet are you you know, just consume listening to music or how much are you creating how much are you creating your own pleasure now you know this isn't right or wrong i'm not saying this is another thing for you to sit and whip yourself with and say oh my gosh how you know i'm, I'm just over here i'm all completely passive it's it's just good information. It's good information you to have and to look at, say, look, hey, if I want to try something different, I've certainly got some room to do that. And again, if you are sitting here thinking, yeah, I am going to change, I'm determined, I'm going to change my relationship with alcohol, you are going to be having heaps more time. And what will you do with that time? So you can start that right now in terms of challenging yourself, right? Challenge yourself to create pleasure and let's make it fun. But I warn you, right? You're going to have to work against a brain, your brain. If you've conditioned your brain to expect, to expect that it can just sit back and do nothing and be entertained, right? Which, which is where you might be going to probably have to work against a brain that's just saying I don't want to do that that takes too much effort this takes too much energy right just like my brain did with reading war and peace I mean I wanted to do it but I thought oh, it's just gonna be so much energy but really the more you do this the more you create pleasure the more you learn again the skill of doing that the more it builds it's like you know strengthening that muscle the more you stop overloading your brain with intense levels of dopamine you start to feel the natural pleasures more because they're no longer being numbed against the alcohol, right? They're not competing anymore against the huge dopamine you're getting from the alcohol. And then when you see how you feel after these natural pleasures, these pleasures that you are creating, after you're creating your own pleasures, that's what your brain will then lean towards. The highs of pleasure in terms of dopamine will be less, for sure, but they'll be longer lasting, they'll be sustainable and they'll be infinitely more satisfying without the negative consequences. So that's your challenge for this week. Take a look at where you're creating and consuming pleasure and then decide if you want to make changes to that. And let me know how you get on. I'm really interested to learn and to hear what's what's happening. You can email me on anna at 90dayslater.co. And if you think you're getting too much pleasure, too much of your pleasure, is coming from alcohol, I can help. Just go to 90dayslater.co and click on the blue button to book a call. I 
guarantee you'll feel so much more natural pleasure and dopamine from the achievement in creating the life you want. Now that really is the ultimate pleasure out there, right? The ultimate creative pleasure to create your the life you want. And it's really also just the beginning. When you see how you can create and live a life full of pleasure without wine, you're going to feel unstoppable. So go ahead and reach out to me. Okay, that's it for this week and I'll see you next time. If you like what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take the work further and achieve total freedom around alcohol, let's talk. I help my clients stop reaching for that first glass of wine the moment 6pm rolls around and they don't miss out on life. And we do it in 90 days. The effect is permanent. Email me for more information on anna at 90dayslater.co. And if you did enjoy the show, I'd really appreciate if you'd leave a rating and review to help others find the 90 Days Later podcast.